I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Tanya. She has leukemia. Let's talk about it. Yes, I am ready. Good, because we're recording. Ready. <laughs> you guys ready? Are we ready? Um, so Are this you is, ready? This, okay, all right. No, no Chris Angel. We'll, keep, we'll leave that shit. Are home. you ready? Uh, so so this, is, this is really exciting because um, we, we rarely, not rarely, but it's, it's kind of a treat for us to be able to sit down with a medical professional like yourself. Thank you. Tanya. Yes. Um, thanks for coming in. You are a doctor, so but I want to say this before we start. Like the things that we say wrong will just be corrected in live in real time. I know, <laughs> which is amazing. But also, I want I want to make sure because <clears throat> Tanya has some other shit to talk about. Not about. I mean, I'm sure your your you being a doctor plays a role in your story. However, we're we're here to talk about Tanya's Tanya's sick guys. So we're going to talk about that. What? <clears throat> yeah. So I, I don't want us to get too caught up in like, hey, Tanya, I've got that. this weird lump on my, you know, on the <laughs> shaft of my penis. Can you take a look at it? Brian, I know you were talking about that earlier. So we're, we will leave those questions till the end of the, of the show. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not even going to engage with you. <laughs> okay. So we'll leave, we'll leave all personal um, diagnoses questions until later, uh, but but... For now. Perfect. I've been building up those questions for like <laughs> seven years. So I, okay, but, I can't wait. But That's I don't great. have a personal diagnosis question, but I do have a, do a have question. A story? Well, it's not much of, I mean, the listener, most of the listeners have heard the story before, but for, for Tanya's sake, I do have a, a question that I've been trying to resolve. Um, Wait, are you doing it now? Or because yeah, yeah, we yeah. just said that we were going to save all that until the end of the show. Yeah, that was literally what he just said. But you said questions about about specific diagnosis. I need to know this right now. It should have been more specific. Yeah, okay, go for it, Brian. <laughs> okay, so, um, Tanya, really quick, I, uh, I, have my pe- I had my appendix removed, but um, when I went into the hospital, I didn't have my health card, so I used my twin brother's health card. Oh, that's not a good idea. Yeah, so now... They, <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> so the hospital... This that was, is not smart Okay, this was all. like... This was 10 years ago, and... Um, You've grown since then. It wasn't smart then <laughs> either. Well, no. Well, yeah, it's never a smart decision. I support but, it, to be totally honest. But, but um, so the hospital, I guess, thinks that my brother doesn't have an appendix, but they think that I still do. How do I fix that? You probably want to... Let the appropriate people know in medical records that it was you. Mm. Who are those people though? Like, what is there I don't a phone think it's number a you just call up? I, th- I don't think Tanya is the right person to ask. I, f- I definitely can't help you with that because I can't get your appendix back and take your brothers away right. and make I, it yeah. right. I bet you. You know those only old, the administrators can. You know when you walk into the hospital, they're in a room somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know when you walk into the hospital and there's that like little kiosk and kiosk, kiosk and there's always like um, you know like. 
an 80 year old man and a 75 year old woman sitting behind there and they're just knitting and they're so sweet. Um, I bet you if he called them. I don't spend enough time in hospitals, I guess. They, oh, you didn't, really? The information desk? I don't know those characters. Oh, man. I mean, I know they the information know desk. Everything. They know every fucking thing. I just don't know is. the old characters that are sitting there. I didn't know that it was like those were the staple type of character that sits at the information oh, dude, desk. Dude, you'll never see an information desk person under the age of. 98. But but my problem is the people at the information desk, they don't have a computer with like access to data. No, no they've, got, old no, they've people got filing cabinets in their head. In their head. They're like the, they're like your super smart gram- grandma. It's where all the information went before we invented computers. Well, I well, guess this, this if, was this was uh I, well, I was just going to say something I, else to add. No, no, no. I don't have much more to add. I just want to say like what other again, sins have you committed? If if you're if you're a listener and you're like Geez, Brian, it's very simple to resolve your issue. All you need to do is call this phone number and tell this person. I think someone has said something on those No, lines. no, they haven't. They haven't given specific so, so directions. Did you walk in here thinking that you were going to have the answer to your problem solved tonight? I did, yeah. I did. Yeah. Well, and I guess the mystery continues. Well, I guess, you know what? If we can't find out about my problem, then maybe we can just find out more about Tanya's. Oh. I think that's a fucking great segue, Brian. <laughs> mm. uh, Tanya, why don't you tell... So you're a doctor. I am a doctor. What kind of doctor are you? Family doctor. Okay, sweet. Uh, nice. You're right. in high demand. Yeah. In Nova Scotia, yes. Yeah. yeah, for yes. sure. I'd charge people a lot <laughs> if I was in that high demand. Just saying. Okay. <laughs> Supply and demand. What do you charge? Tanya? <laughs> we, we can't charge a thing, which is probably why there's nobody here working as God, we need to open up the free market. We need <laughs> to get Donald Trump in we here. Need, <laughs> we need Donald Trump in here to fix it up. Oh, no. We need to privatize everything. Oh, no, no, no. Um, well, Tanya, you, so you, you are, I guess you're, but you're technically not practicing right now, right? Nope, I'm not practicing. I haven't practiced for quite a while, actually. Yeah, yeah. For, because the, you've got a bit of a boo-boo. Yeah, a uh, boo-boo in my blood. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's like the biggest boo-boo you can get in your blood, I think. Oh, like leukemia? You got it. it. You fucking nailed it. Whoa, dude. really? You nailed yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Look at me. Yeah. I should be a doctor. What were the what were the what were the <laughs> Why other don't you options? Fix your health care? What were the other things that were floating around in your head there, Brad, that you were that you were trying to decide between before I was, you said leukemia? No, I just knew. I just I, like I my intuition, she said blood. You know, I thought, well, if it's bad, it's gotta be leukemia. Right. What right. other blood disorders are there? Dude, there's probably a lot. Do we know? Let's a- hear him. Is AIDS is AIDS one? <laughs> is AIDS a blood disorder? Tanya, you, you're yeah, looking at me virus. like I know the answer. Yeah, well, you knew the answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, Bri. What that else is, is there? That's, that's literally I, the only thing he knows. There's I, a lot of blood disorders, and and they they kind of vary based on your age or based right. on genetics, based on a whole bunch of different parameters that they find in your your blood or your bone marrow. Right. Would leukemia test. be classified as a disor- as a blood disorder? <laughs> Would it be in that category? It's a blood cancer. Right, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's a cancer of your blood, essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when, did, when were you diagnosed? So February 3rd, 2017, so last year, okay. almost two years ago, on the 19th anniversary of the day my mom died, Whoa. which was really... That's Terrible. a heavy day. The, the universe just shit on me that day. How, no how did your mom die? Um, she died when I was 15 because of suicide. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah okay. Mm-hmm. Holy moly. And for you, uh, was, that, was that date every year like really a really tough date for you? Or, you know, you're into your older age, was it more of, of a sort of... It was more of a celebration. Yeah. I think it has to be really. You can mm-hmm. you can dwell on it, and you can you can always remember p- 
people or special events that happen on a day. But for me, it was a celebration of of the years that I had with my mom. She was a really awesome person. Mm -hmm. Well, around what part of the day did you find out you had leukemia? Um, It was very early in the morning. And interestingly, I had an appointment to see a hematologist who's a blood doctor. And, um, Familiar. Yeah. Familiar. <laughs> yes. And, um, Which isn't the case for all things. No, so. not all things. Mm-hmm. No. I had come into the clinic, which I didn't know what, what clinic I was going to because I didn't know my diagnosis. And I went in and I was speaking with a nurse and he said, oh, welcome to the lymphoma leukemia clinic. And I was like, oh. Oh, I guess I have leukemia. Oh, whoa, whoa, hold that on. Can, you just, can yeah. you just back that up just one second? Yeah. And, and you're in there, you're talking to somebody, and then the... You basically find out that you have leukemia because they say welcome to the leukemia department? The clinic. So I was I was at a clinic on a specific day for specific Ooh. disorders Ooh. of okay. the blood. Oh, okay. And I didn't know that I was being formally diagnosed huh. that day. Whoa. Holy fuck. That was really Now, terrible. as a doctor, were you like, oh, yep, I got leukemia? Or were you like, oh, does this maybe... Like, I knew was something was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Because you learn, we all learn a lot about our bodies. Like we learn mm-hmm. what kind of food doesn't make us feel good, what makes us tick, what makes us jive. And we also know when things just aren't working. Right. And I had had some enlarged lymph nodes, which we all get when we have a cold or a flu. Mm-hmm. And mine were kind of sticking around. And I'm a, a big runner and they were getting worse when I ran. Mm-hmm. Right. But I didn't for sure know I would have leukemia because I was so healthy. And was know. was uh, was the doctor saying that? Was that a bit of a of like a faux pas? <laughs> um, well, it was a nurse actually who was just doing okay. like a preliminary screen, coming in and saying, uh, you know, oh, have you had okay. this, this, and this? Welcome to the leukemia lymphoma clinic. I was right. Like, oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm like Taylor. You're the type of person who, when you experience symptoms of of something, you just like brush them off and would would like very rarely ever think too seriously about like going to get something checked out well like when it happens but like if it persisted i would go dude yeah but but, like but also hold on yeah (laughs) when it happens but even when it happens when it's like when i hear it i go holy shit dude were you with anyone like are you okay now you know like things like dude there was a time where you were like yeah i i and correct me if i'm wrong but i believe you you described how you went into the bathroom and you violently threw up, or did you shit yourself? You were shitting. It was one or the other, and then you passed out. And then I use the word like "passed a, out" to a, describe to describe. I was so I was so fatigued that I fell asleep because you were puking or shitting, one or the other. Definitely not puking. I never puked. So you were shitting so hard that you passed out afterwards. Yeah. Woke up a couple hours later and were like. After, hours? No, like yeah, like, like he seconds? woke up like it was uh, five no, minutes. A maybe. week later, it, yeah, it was like yeah, it was like a couple days. Yeah. You were out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And then you didn't do but, anything. About it. But, but the but, problem never persisted. <laughs> okay, so, so but there, I was I was actually leading into something with that. Like so, Tanya, being a doctor at the time, like were the were the symptoms like the swollen lymph lymph nodes and things like that? Were was that what encouraged you to go and like get? Checked out? Checked yeah, out? that was exactly. But I had been checked out about five months prior when I did have the lymph nodes in my neck and they were fine. I was, mm. I was told it was okay. So okay. I kind of carried on for a few months. And, and even if you are a physician, when a we call it like a, a superior physician or a specialist, you mm. know, they look down on the ivory tower. They're better than you. Right. They have more training than you. Um, tells you you're okay. 
you think you're okay. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what patients think when their family doctor says you're okay. Oh, 100%. I'm okay. And that's the mindset I was in. And and I went along and ran a marathon, came home and was like, oh. Was there a part of you that was going, that was, that was uh, seeing some of these symptoms like your lymph nodes? Because I've, I don't know what any symptoms are for anything. So are you seeing these and going, hmm, I wonder. I mean, as, like, like yeah. someone, like, like someone do you, might, do you, I know where you're going with like like web, like, WebMD. Right, exactly. How somebody <laughs> might see symptoms mm-hmm. and, and go on the internet, mm-hmm. you're going into your brain. Yeah, I went into been, my brain. Because you've been trained yep. to do that uh, for other people. So are you doing that? Are you thinking, huh, I wonder what that is. I wonder, and is that something that as a doctor you do on like a, on a super regular basis whenever you feel anything that's not your baseline normal? Yeah. And, and I also called my smartest friend from medical school and was like, what's your differential for this? And we went online oh. and we did our differentials and she's like, oh. which is doc lingo for, um, what are you, th- what are your ideas for what this could be? Okay. Give me your, your greatest idea and, and bear it down for me and be honest. Right. Cause you don't want them to, you know, what did they say? Sugarcoated for you. Oh, oh she said, I think you have leukemia or lymphoma. Oh shit. Holy fuck. She said that. So yeah. she this, nailed it. How long said, before you got the diagnosis was that? Um, it was probably only about a week or two prior. Now, when she said that, mm-hmm. as a as a physician mm-hmm. and as a human, mm-hmm. were you like, uh, were you freaking out, or were you like, mm-hmm, you're probably right? I I was of the latter. I was like, yes, I think you're right, and I was very calm. I was not afraid, and I thought, mm-hmm. well, this really sucks. Like I've had a lot of adversity, and. I really wasn't looking forward to this, but I thought she was right. Do you think you were calm, you were calm because of your because you're a physician? No, I think I was calm because of the person that I am. But I think okay. being a physician contributed to not, you know, being hyper vigilant <laughs> and, and very, you know, I, I wasn't scared. Yeah. See, I, I suppose because like if if you are like for myself, I'm not a physician, mm-hmm. and I don't know the first thing about uh, leukemia mm-hmm. or or any answer really mm-hmm. like i mean aside from the anecdotal stuff that we've heard on here but well why would you i cuz i it's not part of my life right. and so if someone today was like hey jer um you have uh you have leukemia <laughs> man i would be like holy fucking shit what does that mean what is, oh my god what like the unknown would yeah. be so deafening the unknown is the hardest part of but, any disease, though. Sure, of course. What, but as a physician, yeah. there's a lot of that unknown is kind of like is not so much unknown because you've at least you have a language or you have this education that that has afforded you this ability to kind of know what to expect. Like what's in a lot of ways, for sure. But I will say this is very eerie. In my last year of medical school, before I wrote my board exams on my wall, I I had this big poster of all the different types of leukemia because I was terrified I would get leukemia one day. Whoa. And I just couldn't learn the facts. Why were you? Why were you afraid? I mean, because it was one of those things that couldn't be cured. And most cancers, you know, you can cut out the organ or you can treat the organ and feel like you're you're cancer free. But with blood cancers, you're never cancer free. You're in remission until it comes back right. or until you have a okay. bone marrow oh, transplant. So I've never known that. I've never actually yeah. thought about it that way. That so makes then, a lot of sense. Then if you, you said like <laughs> pretty like confidently that it wasn't the fact that you were a physician that, that made you kind of have that more sh- nonchalant, I guess, response to figuring out that you had leukemia, then what is it that like 
what do you think it is that makes you have that more kind of like relaxed response to that? I don't know if it's relaxed, but for me more so not surprised. Like I've had a lot of bad news bared to me over the years and over my lifetime. And I think when somebody said you have leukemia, I was like, oh, of course. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, like right. just another And it was just card. another hurdle I was going to have to get over somehow mm. over time and deal with and kind of bring the troops in and get yeah. all of my friends and family to help me through. As a physician, are you are you able to – so you, you talk to your friend and they're like, I think you have – you know what? Just being honest, I think it's leukemia or it could be leukemia. Yep. Are, are you able to go – and maybe this is like a medical system question. If you go into a hospital and mm-hmm. you go, hey – I'm a physician. I think I might have leukemia. I talked about it with another physician who I trust. Sure. And they also think that I have leukemia. Like, test me now. Like, is that, are they, are they going, okay, that makes sense. There's, there's like, there's a higher likelihood that you're, that you like, you're making it easier for me to get to the problem. Or is it, or is it what I feel like most doctors probably think when someone comes in and goes, listen, doc, here's all the things that I feel. I looked it up on WebMD and this is what I think I have. And then the doctor looks at you and goes, let me do my fucking job. You know what I, you know what I just, guys, I thought of that. Okay. Right before I came here, I was fixing a friend of mine's bike and I got to this point where I was trying to fix something and I, and I went, oh, fuck. I think it's this problem, and I don't know how to fix that. So I said, what I recommend you do is I think you should take it, go to the bike shop, and I'm, I'm, I'm fair, I know where the problem is, so you can tell them that you know that it's there and that you think it might be this because I'm telling you I think it might be this. So tell them that, and so they'll know to look there and not waste their time looking elsewhere. And as soon as I said that, I was like, man, I feel like some bike mechanic would just be like, Shut up! Shut the fuck up! One of your one of your friends who tinkers yeah. with bikes thought it was this. Like yeah. fuck that guy. You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll let me go in here and figure this out because that's my fucking. We do job. get that a lot. Of as course, a, you especially as a, a especially family physician. Google. Google has yeah. just destroyed us. Yeah. That doctor of Google is the worst. Yeah, with people coming in, but if, that they know but they if have. you are wondering, there isn't a room with like shiny white stools that doctors line up at. You know, when they think they have something wrong, that doesn't really yeah. happen. And I think, too, you don't really want to know that this is the truth. Right. You may think it is, but it takes a lot of courage to go to your doctor knowing you know the (coughs) symptoms that are presenting and to say, like, hey, this is what I think is going on. Mm -hmm. And I actually didn't do that because I didn't want to narrow down the diagnosis to my doctor. I wanted to... Make it more wide open and like leave and room let, for like maybe it's something else. Like yeah. like maybe they'll do other tests and mm-hmm. it'll be that instead of this. That's what you're hoping, right? Sure. This, this question uh, maybe you shouldn't answer it, um, but I have a question about um, <laughs> if you and I uh, both happen to walk into the ER at the same time, and you and I are showing about the same symptoms, similar kind of thing. Like we, you know, we haven't been shot by a gun or anything like that. We're we both have like a very intense abdominal cramps, and then um, in the in the triage part, you're like also I'm a physician, and then I'm like uh, also I'm a clown, a clown. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, good. And then and then we go and sit down. Practicing do you get, clown. Do you get in quicker than me? I hope not. Okay. 
I, I hope feel not. like you just get. I feel like you just get rolled up into the system like everybody else. I mean, I would like to imagine that, but maybe I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. It's hard to know because for the times that I have presented, they've been pretty urgent. Like the yeah. the two times I've presented to the emergency room in the past five months have been pretty life-threatening so i was in within 10 minutes why life-threatening um so the the last two admissions i've had were for something called febrile neutropenia which is oh no oh oh, i know oh you know yeah tell us i have no idea that that was one more time that was mandarin i believe it was uh i believe it was febrile neutropenia yes Yes, it was. Jesus Christ, Brian. So you're going to Google no, it. Was it? But it, it's oh, yeah, when it's, you have yeah. uh, a low neutrophil count. So that's the cells that fight infection. Why am I Googling you get fevers. it? You're here. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you. Maybe tell faster me. than you can click. But that's what happens. So you get fevers, really high fevers. When you have really low cell counts that fight infection because of chemo. And, mm. and I've been on chemo for the past five months. So right. you can't fight any infection because you have no cells to do so. And then you get these crazy high fevers and you... You're in sweats and so like the the danger there lies within the fever itself. Yeah, because you've got an underlying infection typically causing mm. the fever, and the danger is not assessing the infection, and you have no cells to fight it, so mm. you can die. Okay. Yeah. So okay. we kind of we we've we've skipped ahead a little bit in yeah. terms of that, but that's that's okay. That's that's great. Um, when when you find out that you've got chemo, as you said, February 2017, what's your What's like the what's like the action, the action items that you're going? I need to we need to, the, we need to get these ducks in a row. Like, did, yeah. ke- did chemo happen right away? Did treatment happen right away? Or was there a buffer? What what was the deal there? It's a very good question because for a lot of leukemias, especially in our age group, they would be acute, <coughs> acute or quickly, rapidly progressing disorders, which means you get sick really quick and you need treatment quickly Mm -hmm. in order to preserve your life. Um, For me, I somehow got a leukemia that's mostly in people over 65. So there are probably, I only know three of us under 50 in the Atlantic provinces that have the type of leukemia that I have. And, and what happens with mine, mine's a chronic leukemia, so it slowly progresses over time rather than an acute, mm. which quickly happens. You watch and you wait basically for the wheels to fall off of your body, and then you treat. Jesus, that sounds It has been awful. an awful year and a half. So I got diagnosed February 2017, and I started... I should have started chemo June 1st of this year, but I actually was delayed by a month because June I June 1st of this year? I just started chemo, yeah. So so yeah. the five months that you said you're on chemo, now. that's just now? Yeah, now. Well, okay, Holy so shit, what's really crazy. interesting is you don't, you don't look like a cancer patient. That is the biggest mm. insult. Not rudely insult, but mm. let me just like educate a little totally. bit. So people always associate chemo with baldness yeah. or losing your hair and looking really thin. Yeah. But or like really white. Yeah. Or like ghostly. And, and that is like, there's a look, it's called cachexia with cancer or like really thin and wasted and you look unwell, mm. malnourished. Mm-hmm. Um, cachexia? That's what it's called. Like I've never cachexia, heard of that. cachexia is, is a, an appearance and like when you look wasting, that way, that yeah. like quote unquote sure. way. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, not every chemo for every cancer causes you to lose your hair or mm. become really, really thin. Yeah, we've actually we've met a couple people that in in the the span of the show yeah. who didn't who didn't fall with, with yeah. under the, that like cachexia. Well, so yeah, my yes. my mom actually yeah. didn't. 
but right. she was supposed to. Like yeah. they told her, like ninety eight percent chance you'll lose your hair. Like don't don't plan on keeping it. And, and she, as a woman, she kept it. When you can keep your hair, Ooh. it was a huge. It is so huge. And I thought I was gonna definitely lose mine. Um, not many people thought I would, but one nurse right before I started chemo was like, are you prepared to lose all your hair? And I was like, like, Oh fuck. No, I was like, well, I'm not, but I guess I am tomorrow. And I didn't, I've, I've thinned quite a bit, but I have, it's not noticeable to the general public. And, you know, they prepare you for all these things that are going to happen that may not. I mean, for one week of every month, I can't eat and I'm super sick. Um, but then the three weeks after that, I just eat everything and gain all the weight back. So is I don't that, is look. That, is the like, not eating from the nausea? From the nausea, okay. It right. is awful. Now, do have you do you, you yeah do you do you use THC or, or yeah I yeah. use CBD or yeah CBD okay yeah. my mom said like again like she said that was that was a, a game changer for her. It's a game changer. Yeah, it was, yeah. I didn't think I didn't get nausea right away <laughs> with my chemo, and so I was like, oh yeah, I'm good. I'm not. Mm. I haven't lost my hair. I and then when I was admitted to hospital with my first infection, it was about four days in, and all of a sudden I just got profound nausea. I hadn't eaten in days, and I had taken all of these pharmaceutical drugs that gave mo- com- like so many complications, and then yeah, somebody what's, just what's- suggested CBD, and I was like, yeah, fine. Give, I don't yeah. try anything. And it took about three hours, and I I was mm-hmm. hungry, and I had no yeah. nausea, and I was fine. What's uh, it's amazing. What, are, mm, what are some of the ones that they give you for nausea, like intravenously? I've had... Uh, does it start with a Z? Zofran. Zofran. Yes. Man, that shit sucked. Yeah, you get really bad constipation. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> for all of you. Shit for a long time. <laughs> Just so good. you know. Yeah. yeah Zofran. Yeah. yeah right. And then my mom that had leads to, take, to problems. Uh, my mom had to take a lot of Senecot. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I've I've had some Senecot myself. Senecot. Some of that natural shit. You um, know what I'm saying? Just to go back a little bit, um, you you said that like you had to wait until the wheels started to, to yeah. fall off and... And then you, you you mentioned that you started your training. So, or here, <laughs> you're training. I'm you started, always training. <laughs> you, you started your your, uh, your chemo. Yeah. Um, what what was starting to happen that that Brian's that, fresh Mr. from the Mr. gym? Mr. Fucking Brian's, over Brian's here, like, fresh from the gym. Yeah, I know. It's I know. just <laughs> all over his mind. Uh, He's like, you need to get back to the gym, Tanya. Look at you. Yeah. Hey, um, I can write you a training program. Like, how many please, wads did you get that week? That the wheels yeah. fell off. Jero is listening to Termion. You want to get? You want to start coming to the gym? Or what? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I don't know. We'll talk later. Okay. Did he uh, say he was going to go to the gym? No, he didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, no, I didn't. So what? What was? What were some of the signs that like? Now was the time to start. Yeah, so I, I lost about five kilograms in weight uh, yeah. in about four months, which I'm not a huge person, mm-hmm. so that was quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And then I started get, waking up in the middle of the night really, really sweaty, like very sweaty, almost a menopausal sweat, I guess some women would say, but mm-hmm. I was drenched, and that was new and very profound. And then my lymph nodes were getting a lot bigger and you could you could look at me and see really large lymph nodes in my neck and my head. It was Were yeah. were you in pain or discomfort at that time? Never. Too? I've never had any pain. Really? Never. No. They're uncomfortable. Um, for me, if I was to lay on my ear, cause you have lymph nodes in places you'd never know you have them. Yeah. You said your head and yeah. I was like, wait, where are the lymph yeah. nodes growing out of your head? Yeah. I feel them. Like when I get sick, I feel them on the back of, I feel the, the base ones of your on skull back of my neck, yeah. or the back of your neck. I always yeah. feel it here yeah. under my neck. Those are me the most too. common oh, ones oh, oh, for yeah, viral yeah. infections. Oh, 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 like, oh, 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 those ones. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. ones. Those uh, are the ones that everyone likes to So where are the ones on the back, like behind your ear? Yep. You've got some there behind your ear. Like right in there. You've got some. That little bone behind your ear. That's where mine swell up. You've got lymph nodes there. Oh, that's. 
that's why when I sit down, the doctor goes, uh, I thought they were always just like, just, I don't know, just greeting me. It's no. a weird gr- doctor's greet where they reach around with their hands and they just kind of like. It's a traditional. Just grab the, your occipital ridge physician. and just like kind of feel mm-hmm. your ears. They're actually doing something. Oh, I just thought they yeah. were saying hi. No. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> I was like, you doctors, you weird, weird alien type people. That's a weirdest handshake I've it's ever a, felt in my life. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a brother and sisterhood. Uh, yeah, yes. It, uh, it's yes. something like that. Um, so, <laughs> so, Daniel, how many... You, you started chemo five months ago now? So I should have started ju- June. But you started first, July. I started in July because they found a lesion in my lung, which we still don't know what it is, but we're just watching it. Has it grown? Has it changed? It's staying the same size. Okay, well, that's probably a good thing, It's probably thing, right? good because if it was this something long. infectious or <laughs> scary, it would have grown by now. So yep. mm. someone with like a one of the slower kind of leukemia, mm-hmm. um, how like how many rounds of chemo do you need to go through? How do they monitor that? That's a good question. Very good. Um, I should have had six <laughs> rounds of chemo, um, but my chemo was cut off two weeks ago. I was in hospital again with another um, febrile fevers infection episode, and my bone marrow <clears throat> just wasn't recovering after my mm. fifth round of chemo. So we decided to call chemo quits because I wasn't going to recover and I would keep getting sick. I was too mm. immune suppressed. It like, was more, it was, it was, it was worse for, it was doing more, more damage than it was. Well, doing. it was probably done what it was supposed to do because they thought possibly I'm in okay. an early remission. Just uh, great. That's, that's news. awesome news. Yeah. 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 It's great. Th- this fibroneutropenia. Febrile neutropenia. Feb. Febrile. Febrile. Neutropenia. Yes. Um, uh, how do, so, like, when you go into the hospital, how mm-hmm. do they, and you get admitted, yep. what are they doing? Like, what are they doing to mitigate that? So the first thing you do is you hand them this yellow card that you're given the first day of um, your chemo. When you're told you're having chemo, you go to this education session. And they say, if you ever get a fever at home, you bring this yellow card with you. So I, I bring my yellow it's card. It's like your golden ticket. It's like your ticket. In. You give it to triage. They're like, okay, you're in. You and they take Whoa. your temperature, and then it's it's so quick. Um, and now, then what they, does this yellow card look like? And uh, what's it made of? And It's what's laminated. It's laminated. Perfect. It's laminated. about 10... 10 font times mm-hmm. New Roman, Perfect. probably, or maybe <laughs> yeah, Calibri. I'm not go. sure. Very, very good detail. Yes, yes. Um, bold at times okay, perfect, and perfect. bulleted yeah. for the practitioner, not for the patient. So it. it says, this is what you give. So you give really potent antibiotics, mm-hmm. the most potent known to mankind, which isn't a good... Oh, yeah? What, it, what, are they, what are they called? It's called Piptaz. Piptaz. Yeah. I've never had Piptaz. That's the abbreviation. Um, and so it's it's the most potent antibiotic that can treat the most broad spectrum of infections because you just want to treat everything you can with one drug mm. when someone comes in that sick. Oh, you don't want to give like a an easy penicillin because that's not going to treat things that are in your belly. What so. other, like what other, uh, give me ex- uh, an example of like some other people that might go to the ER and they go, get them the Piptaz. So anyone really who's supremely immune suppressed right? or say if you have sepsis and you don't know or like an infection in your blood and you don't know why and you're getting more and more sick by the minute. Okay. Like really okay. intense. It's real. You got to be sick stuff? to get this Really stuff. strong like blanket thing yeah. where they're like, we just give them this and yeah. it's almost certain to fucking do it. And it, it pretty much will unless you have had it a few times in your life and you develop a resistance to that right. antibiotic, which really sucks. Dude, how that, crazy is that that we do that? 
It sucks. How do I not? So, so I take chron- like a chronic. Yeah. Well, I guess I should probably wait until the end. But whatever, I'm fucking in it now. I chronically take um, azithromycin. Yes. Every day. Mm-hmm. How does my body mm-hmm. not just go? All right, we're done. Like, we're done with the azithromycin. It's not going to do anything else anymore. It could someday. It could. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, feel like I take it so much. You, yeah, and I take, um, and well, I was taking an antibiotic every single day, twice a day, until mm-hmm. I had a reaction to that. So now I take this inhaled drug once a month at the respiratory clinic. Sweet, which one? Um, it's called pentamidine. Well, I never had that one. Either. Neither, I hadn't even heard of it. Pentamidine. Um, yeah, it's real fancy, and it tastes horrific. You know, what? it blows my mind that I try. Are, I try Jer's drugs every now and again <laughs> from his from his uh, from his. Uh, Man, you guys thing? should. I wish you guys knew me when I was. What's it called? I wanted I to call it a diffuser, the, not a diffuser. My nebulizer. Your nebulizer. I try. I try it every so often because yeah. I'm like, because when we travel, you know, he has to do his treatment mm-hmm. in the morning and at night and, and nebulize. Like, well, it's like Ventil- say, Ventolin, Ventolin, hypertonic saline, and now Palmazine. Hypertonic saline is literally just like water salt. and salt, yeah, right? Salt water. And I remember I, you were doing that one because I think that's really the only one that I can try. That you, would, you could I mean, I could the try the other ones, ones but like, yeah. it wouldn't do anything you, except for just not Ventil- do anything. Ventil- Ventil- make you probably a better biker. A little biker, shaky. Maybe a little cyclist. shaky. Yeah, that's right. Well, Chris, yeah. well, there was a big scandal in the bike. Um, you bit, you, t- you take a lot of his enzymes, too, sometimes. Well, when I have a particularly harsh meal that doesn't agree with me. <laughs> I don't know if we should be saying this in front of a doctor right now. Well, that's a, they're, all, they're just, just digestive enzymes. Feels naughty. Let all of your sins out. I've already heard them. <laughs> the only time I ever had... The only time I... I've only ever had I've had it maybe a couple times. The oh, the first time I took your your the enzymes? enzymes was yeah. when we went. It was Burger Week in Halifax. We went to oh, yeah, that's what right. was that spot that we went to? Uh, uh I don't know. Primal, the kangaroo burger or, place? Yeah, yeah. It was at oh, the what's uh, the the uh the hole in the wall the press on, gang. Press gang. Yeah. That's uh, nice. The hole in the wall. Hole in the wall One press the gang, places. which is like it's like <laughs> eighty dollars for a salad. It's a really nice it's a really nice hole. Really in the nice wall. hole in the wall. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it kind of feels like a hole in the wall. It's like it's yeah, anyway. Dude, yeah, Willie's is and a hole in the we wall. Had the, yeah, that's, that's right. Willie's is. But I had the I had the kangaroo burger. That was like the special burger that they had on that week. And I took it and within twenty minutes I was like, Oh no, this is not this is not digesting. So I took a bunch of your enzymes. And like yeah. thirty minutes later, I felt totally fine. Yeah. Or you just digested it yourself because <laughs> yeah. well, you, know you hadn't have absorbed Placebo. the enzymes yet, probably. Anyway. Placebo. Yeah, I wish you guys knew me when I was taking t- tobramycin in my in my mask because that shit tastes so nasty. It's oh gross. yeah, I I know what you I know what you're experiencing now. Mm-hmm. Now that I've had this drug, yeah, it's gross and it stays in your mouth. Yeah, it's yucky. It's like you're just. On you know the fence, the cold fence that taste that metallic, yeah, yeah horrible, yeah, yeah. it's mm, terrible. It. Can, like when um, someone gives you change and you take the change and, and you put it in it. your mouth and you lick it, and then your right. mouth is like sawdust. Mm. Like, you guys want to hear something fucked? Bad. Okay, oh, sorry, you just reminded me of something so crazy. This is so off track. Do you guys remember Pancake Day? Yeah. Okay. At Pancake school? Tuesday. Uh, yeah. Like it's. I think it's like a Roman Catholic thing. In February. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, no. So I don't remember that. Well, anyway, we it were in Ro- school. Ro- we were Roman Catholic. Right. Oh, up. but it happened in school. We did it at home. I don't. I don't know. I don't think we ever had Pancake Day at school. Oh, we did. Okay. Well, but, whatever. But anyway, <laughs> he it, went to a boys' school. The Catholic. Whole, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> only boys. Uh, and so the, there's lots of those. So the way it would work was my mom would make us pancakes. But it had something to do with like uh, I think Christ ri- 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 Christ has risen. Christ will come. Sorry, got sucked in there. Um, so it had something to do with Christ. And so what what would happen is we would have pancakes in the for breakfast. Or no, we'd have pancakes for dinner. 
And do you want to sing a hymn? Here's, 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 the, here's the crazy part about this. My mom would, you would find like little surprises in your. I used to find your, quarters. Yes, dude. Money. And I don't think it was sanitized. Her, no. no. I know. That's, what? That's the I, grossest yeah. thing. Finding a toonie in my pancake. I was like, yeah. And you I know take it's funny? the pancake and like. Is that one of the first lessons yeah. your parents probably ever taught you was don't put <laughs> money in your mouth. And then we had it in our pancakes. I had quarters for but sure. Here, let me different when you cook it, it in. Yes, yeah, different gross. Sick Boy Podcast. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. This has kind of been like the the elephant in the room, I think, when you're talking about <laughs> cancer anytime is, is like, what is like the life expectancy of a diagnosis like that? That That is a good question. And I don't, we don't know the true answer for me. It's so based on your genetics for my leukemia and most leukemias. They do this um, genetic analysis and, and that kind of gives you positive diagnostic or prognostic like life expectancy mm-hmm. step um, or negative. And when my um, genetics were tested, all of mine were favorable. So they think probably about, I think it's around 16 to 20 years. But then my thought and most of our thought is that by that time, there'll be completely new therapies for what right. I have. So I'll still have second line and third <laughs> line and I hope I don't ever have to get to a bone marrow transplant, but they are wonderful therapies with their risks. Um, but I think it's always changing for leukemias or or you know diseases that are really highly researched. Mm. Yeah. What That's, are your, what are your thoughts on death and dying? You know, after I listened, so Audrey Parker mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. an amazing human being, mm-hmm. and I listened to your podcast, and I listened to basically everything that she talked about, and. She was a brilliant person to listen to when you were thinking about death and dying and when you're facing death Mm -hmm. and dying. And I don't think I have any fears about death. And I think when you're going through something like chemo or you have a chronic disease and and you faced your own mortality, for some maybe it's really scary. And I've I've had the experience where I've been in a hospital bed next to a man in his last days with lung cancer and he was terrified to die. And I felt really sad for him because he was in his last days on this earth in the life as he knew it, and he was terrified to die. And I was thinking, I don't feel that way at all. And there's been times when I've been in hospital in the past few months that I thought, I think I'm going, like, there was one day I thought, I'm definitely going to die. Like, I I can't imagine not having these fevers anymore and Mm. feeling like I'm not on fire in my brain. 
and I was okay with it. And I think it's a beautiful thing to be okay with because life doesn't just stop when you stop living here. And we all have our own belief systems. And I think you don't have to be a spiritual person and you don't have to have this multi-level conscience to understand death and dying. You just have to have your own peace with it to be okay mm-hmm. with what's coming. And I think that takes a lot of anxiety yeah. out of it. Think- Especially in those, la- like the, about that old older gentleman who was in his last days. Oh, it was and like, so sad. Being so afraid. Um, you know, like that, that's no, that's not a way to live. Like that is not life. No. You're not living if you're, if you're living in just this constant state of fear. Yeah. And he suffered more because of that. So he more. wouldn't take the medications to <clears throat> relieve his anxiety yeah. and his fears, yeah. which weren't going to kill him and put him to sleep. They were going to help settle his symptoms mm-hmm. and I think because he was so afraid of letting go of control, which we all are, of course, whether yeah. we in varying degrees. Yeah. Um, the hardest thing to let go of in death and dying and illness is control. Yeah. Do you think that yeah. when you when you said that you know you couldn't you couldn't imagine you couldn't imagine not having this this fever and could, like you you couldn't imagine like you it, do you in that way do you mean that you are so deep into this sensation of what this feels like it just feels like the the that the likelihood that this will ever change for a, for the positive is is basically nil and i'm just and it's going to kill me yeah i think i didn't really tell people that at the time because you you don't like to wear the anxiety of others when you have your own stuff going on and i think that's why a lot of people don't like people around when they're having a really mm-hmm. hard time or they're in chemo or whatever but for me it was just so bad and it was lasting for days despite those really hardcore antibiotics I was not getting better and Mm -hmm. I thought if these can't do it like what is going to stop this and I think I thought about a lot of stuff in those few days that I never really said out loud before but I was okay with it. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've only been living for 36 years, but it's been a really awesome life. And, I and like, it. I, and, it, and is it, and I'm trying to, re- I'm re- relating this to it in one way and I'm, I'm fucking checking off a bingo card for somebody, sick boy bingo card. Cause I'm going to mention being, getting Brazil. fucked up in Brazil. Yeah. And because that was a, that was a moment for me when I like in that short period of time that I was, affected by whatever the fuck that was, a skin condition. Um, I, I accepted death in the way that, in the way that I, I was in such a state of panic from a, from like a, a, a very acute. Uh, he had a, he had an ant, a fire ant. It bite him on the head of his penis. That's a different time. <laughs> oh, oh. No, I'm not talking about that. Oh, what are you talking I'm about? I'm talking about the sun. I'm talking about the burn and the aloe oh. and the skin reaction that I had. Right, right. Yeah. And it was so intense that I was like, there's two options. I'm either going to go crazy and I'm going to be crazy for the rest of my life or I'm going to, or I'm going to die. And there was like an acceptance of that because I, because I, it was so intense. So the intensity of that moment, I'm trying to like, you know, relate to your Mm -hmm. experience of going, well, I'm, I am, I am so deep into this, into this discomfort Mm -hmm. that I am, I'm, I'm just letting go. I'm going, if this is what it's going to be, then I'm good. Well, sometimes don't you think we all become acceptant of things that we once thought were impossible? And Mm -hmm. then when you go through a variation of what you thought was impossible, you become more accepting of it. Like for me, Mm. I was like, I could never deal with 
a parent dying and then my parent died and right. I thought, oh, okay, I can deal with, I deal with that. And then you think I could never deal with getting cancer. And then you get cancer. You're like, okay. And you're always kind of setting these new benchmarks for acceptance. And right. yes, there are times when you think, I'm, I can't do this one. But you actually That's, how I, that's you how, actually how I feel can. about root canals. I'm like, <laughs> oh, nope, yeah, they're pretty I bad. I can't though. do a root canal. They are. And I won't do awful. a Isn't that life, though? Like, isn't like going through experiences like that and yeah. then constantly like challenging yourself and <clears throat> extending the barriers of what you think is possible? Like, I really just think we should just be, we should just stay still and never push the boundaries <laughs> and really just like accept that well, we like, are. That, like, in all, in all, sit still. In most cases, potatoes. like, people will deal with the passing of their parents. Right. And Mm -hmm. like, and to me, both of my parents are still alive, but like, it does seem like a really challenging obstacle to overcome. But like, it's also Mm. statistically probably the experience that I'll have. It kind of goes, it kind of relates to the conversation that we sort of ended with when we recorded last night, which was a conversation around how, um, around how, what you're going through and the difficulty that you're going through is, is relative to your experience. So like your challenging is different than my challenging sure. because I haven't dealt with a serious illness. So what I find challenging to overcome is different from what you find challenging to overcome. And you, and let's just say, for example, that you look at my challenges when I'm going, Oh, this is hard. And you go, well, it's not that hard, but, but I won't but but actually, and and which is good because it's relative. It's relative. And that's so important as a physician too, that I've learned that through this process, mm. because it is super hard to listen to someone complain about their elbow when I can't sleep at night because I'm sweating through all of my sheets. Yeah. Um, but it is all relative. So I have to appreciate and put myself in their shoes that mm-hmm. that's important to them. And what, how, how do you think this is going to change your practice? Yeah. It will change me forever. Yeah. Um, I think mostly how much I appreciate compassion when I am with a physician or a healthcare professional and how obvious it is when someone is lacking that. Mm. Um, I've never not been a compassionate person, but it really, man, you learn a lot about compassion when you go through this kind of stuff. And I think not letting something sit on my desk for eight hours or two days when I know someone is sitting at home waiting for that phone call Mm. because I've been that person waiting at my house for two days for a phone call that never came when I was told it would happen. Mm. And it's really, really crappy when you just sit home waiting for news that someone doesn't care to give you because not that they don't care, but they're too busy and they're caught up in their own treadmill. They never got around to it. I don't think I'll ever be able to do that to someone again. Mm. Yeah. Spe- um, speaking of Audrey Parker mm-hmm. and medical assistance in, in that episode on medical assistance in dying, like, how do you feel ab- about that? Yeah, I think that it's a brilliant way for people to express their own wishes for their own fate and what they want for their end of their lives. And I think it is so controversial in a lot of countries and, mm-hmm. and here. And I think we've taken a long time to come to having these guidelines and this legislation. I certainly think there's a long way to go, Mm. and I hope that we're making headway for that. But I think it's a beautiful thing for someone to have control over their final moments of their life and to have that opportunity of choice. Because you can, you think about all the other things you choose in life and then when it's your final days to not have that choice or to have it taken away from you for where it will be or on whose terms it will be, that's a pretty hard thing. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. It, yeah. it doesn't really make sense why we wouldn't have that It that doesn't. Ability, you know? And I think it's a very futuristic 
um, part of medicine. And there's so mm-hmm. many different things coming down the pipeline in medicine that I think are enabling choice and enabling people to be proactive for their own decisions. And and that is a big part of healthcare. And we don't do enough of it as patients. We don't, mm. we're not proactive enough. Like we said earlier, your doctor will say, this is what we think is going on. This is the deal. And you say, okay, thanks. And you leave. But I think it's really important to be an advocate for yourself mm. because half the time things wouldn't have happened or been found in me if I hadn't have advocated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't need to be a doctor to advocate. No, 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 absolutely not. No. Well, I think, I think there's a lot, there's a lot to be said about and again, it seems like every time we kind of we touch on patient advocacy, we're kind of trying to walk the fine line between between you know advocating advocating for yourself because because you deserve to have a voice in your healthcare and also and also <coughs> and, and then not uh, kind of like trampling over like sound physician advice like you sure. know what I mean like right. we're always trying to yeah. walk <clears throat> walk that oh, fuck I had a train of thought there and I totally lost it that I was going. With. I mean, I was with you that whole time. Yeah, that was yeah, good. It, 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 it is important. Like, it is important to be able to stand up and speak for yourself, but also important to realize that your doctors know a lot. Mm-hmm. They don't know everything. You, you need yeah. to remember that, but you also need to remember they oh. know they know a lot. Yeah. So, I think my train of thought was somewhere along the lines of like, there is something there is something to be said about your instinct and your feeling that that something isn't right, or yeah. or that or that. Or that things could be different. And we've heard no shortage of stories on the show where somebody said, you know, um, a doctor said this is this. And I said, well, okay, fine. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do my research and I'm going to talk to other people. And, Mm -hmm. and then that ended up saving their life. We're never offended when people want a second opinion. Mm -hmm. I think it's so good to be curious, especially when there's so much information out there. Mm -hmm. So it's never an offense to say, hey, do you think you could ask your colleague or could I ask somebody else for an opinion if if it doesn't jive with you or if you don't agree or not that you don't trust your physician, but maybe you're just looking for more input. There is nothing wrong with that. Also, if it's something extremely serious, then like, like... does it really hurt to ask somebody else to no, get a second it opinion? No, it doesn't at like, all. And like you even did it yourself where like you looked at the information that you had and mm-hmm. then you went to one of your, your friends and, yeah. and, and classmates to like find out if that aligned with kind of what you were thinking too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and multiple physicians will have different opinions on the same thing mm-hmm. or multiple right. ways to treat the same disorder. So it's right. always good to ask. Yeah. yeah. So bringing it back to your, your cancer and your experience, mm-hmm. are you, <clears throat> where are you at now? Like what's the, what is the, um, the 411? Yeah. What's the 411? Yeah. That's, that's, um, <coughs> it's fresh. Cause I just had an appointment yesterday. Oh, fuck. Oh. Um, so I had my chemo stopped while I was in hospital about two weeks ago. Um, and I should have just had my last round of chemo, well, during that time. And so what we decided in my appointment is we would be done with chemo because we think I'm in remission. And I should have had a bone marrow biopsy taken on Monday, which is when they kind of screw into the back of your hip mm-hmm. and pull out that the marrow. That sounds really pleasurable. It's the worst pain I've ever felt. And so I've you had did a lot. I Monday? didn't have it Monday because I've again gone neutropenic. So my cell counts are really low again right now. Um, which is why I have hand sanitizer everywhere. Sure. Um, so we have to wait to do that because my risk of infection is too high. So we don't know if I'm in remission. We hope mm. I am. But my chemo is done for sure. Um, for right. Do, you, do yeah. you know much about bone marrow um, donation? 
Um, I know a little bit, yeah. Like, how do you, can you, can if you Bri was going to donate right now, what would that look like? Yeah, so you, there is a bone marrow registry that you can become a part of, and they don't need to take a sample of your bone marrow to be on that list, like I need to give mine. Um, usually it's a swab of the inside of your cheek. Um, and then that puts you into a worldwide database um, to be a donor if someone should need your bone marrow. Man, I, I, so. How do you donate it though? You're, like, how, do, do, do they, do they pull? So, how do you, how do you donate bone marrow? What I was about to say isn't about, do, isn't about actually donating it. Well, it is about donating it, but not about the process. So I'll save it for after. Yeah. I, I'm, I, is it, so that is, is it bad? Is it, is it hurty? I heard it's hurting. Um, it, it would hurts. hurt. It would, yeah. It, it's more of an not investigation. Not trying to deter anyone from doing it. No. You should do it. You should do it. Yeah. It's so, it's such a beautiful thing to donate mm-hmm. your bone marrow pending you could ever be a match for someone yeah. on this planet. It's mm-hmm. amazing. I can't though, right? Because I have CF. Yeah, so there are a lot of um, reasons that people can't donate bone marrow, but there is an amazing podcast on um, bone marrow donation and on um, a story of someone matching another person um, to be a bone marrow donor. Is and, he from here? Um, no, they're from the States, but it's an amazing story how this happened. What's the, so, what's the podcast? Um, the podcast... The name I have a bit of brain fog, That's so okay. I can't remember the name of it. Oh, but it's super, no, it's super easy to find. No, yeah. it's not the answer. It's, it's the chemo. It's the chemo. Sounds like Radio Lab. So it's Radio Lab. It is Radio yeah. Lab. Yeah, yeah, it's Radio Lab, and we hate you can Radio look Lab. it we up. Well, so we're going to cut this out. I don't know, I don't <laughs> no, we it. love Radio Lab. Okay. So I was in in the in September. I rode in um, the Ride for Cancer and uh, raised a bunch of money for our, our friend Brandon who passed away in June, May, June. Uh, Mayor this year, <clears throat> and and so we're at the basically the you know the whole event super well organized. This is just a total shout out for Ride for Cancer because they did a fucking amazing job. They're and, amazing. And the 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 event started. There was this like whole outdoor setup where everyone was kind of like getting coffee and breakfast and everything. And then you got shipped out to um, the start where you would start in Mahone Bay, but it all started in Halifax for the food and everything. It was this get together and like a rally and you know speeches and sponsor mm-hmm. stuff and that sort of thing. And then, you know, this guy came up and he started telling a story about how he had cancer when it was like 1998, 97, 98, something like that. He was, he was 40 years old. He was a firefighter. He, he had, I believe, leukemia. He got a, he, you know, through this miracle, he was matched with this guy in Germany for a bone marrow transplant. And he, through his cancer treatment, so he, he, he gets matched with this guy. He gets the marrow transplant. It's successful. And, went, and he, he couldn't go back to work, but he, you know, he, was, he was thankful to be alive and, and everything. And 20 years later, he's, he's, his cancer comes back. So that was like, it was like two years ago his cancer came back. And then, so he, go, he, he said, I couldn't reach out to the guy directly because of, you know, regulation or whatever it was. But they eventually did circle back to the same dude in Germany. He don't, he, they contacted him, asked him to donate again. He donated bone marrow again, successful transplant of it. The guy who, who had cancer is again, fine. And they took this dude and invited and flew this guy in from Germany to participate in the bike ride, it was like, whoa, dude! It was everybody was bawling. I saw the like, video. Everybody it, was, was crying. Really? It was like the most wow. heartwarming and touching, dude. Like me and Dave and Rich O'Coin were standing there, like, 
<laughs> like just yeah. bawling our eyes out at this guy who donated bone marrow to this guy twice over and the span of 20 years Dave, and saved his Dave life. Dave Culligan did a video of it and you can find it on his uh, YouTube channel, I'm pretty sure. And yeah. it's like, I watched it and it's a couple minutes long, but I was I was bawling at the end of it. Yeah, and you can just see me laying down the power in some scenes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just laying it down. All right. Well, that was a nice story until you <laughs> brought that into it. Um, how it do you do- really donate bone marrow? Yeah. Do they, how do you do it? You'd have to be matched. But for, like, right. how do, but they like, do they take they, it out of you? Yeah, they just pull it out so, like they pull yours out? No, so it's it's a different kind of a process. It's it, Because when you take it out of, say, my hip or the iliac crest is where they usually take it, it's a sample. So mm. you're just taking kind of a, a chunk of it. Mm. Like there's a considerable hole in, my, in the yeah, back of yeah. my hip, which is super sore. It's a different process that's more of think about it more with IV poles and, and right. that sort of thing rather than taking holes out of your hips. and More and, juice, less hunk. Yeah. And, yeah. of course, there's there's pain associated, but there's some beautiful people in the world too. So you would – so you would – you would find out what your type of bone marrow is and then and then you'd be matched and then you'd make the then you'd make the donation is that what you mean so you wouldn't necessarily find out what type of bone marrow you are because it is matched based on based on genetic <laughs> genetic characteristics of what your cell is kind of like on, in a basic way mm-hmm. um, so you basically have to you you give a sample of your cheek, like the inside of your cheek. Oh, okay. And then that goes into a huge database. And say if I needed a bone marrow transplant and I couldn't donate my own bone marrow for a re- whatever reason, because you can donate your own bone marrow if it's appropriate. That is so fucking trippy. Yeah. yeah. Or you can have a donation. Um, then you they basically go to the bone marrow registry all over the world and put in your kind of characteristics and see if it matches. So it's all based somebody. on genetics. There's not just, yeah. there's not just like, there's not just, there's it's not, not just like a warehouse types. of, yeah, right. It's yeah, not it's like, not like A, B, A, B. Right. I wonder how many like people that. are on that database. Yeah. Um, I feel enough. like the radio lab podcast does say that and I should know that answer, yeah. but I don't, but, um, there is a ton of people in that registry. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. um, because it's not as if you have to say yes to do it. Right. I mean, it would be really hard to say no if you knew you could save yeah. someone's life, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's it's a, a that's really – yeah. That's a really amazing <laughs> thing. I feel like everybody should sign up or want to sign up for it because it's like it's like you're not doing anything unless somebody really needs you to do it. Yeah, and it's a beautiful thing to do because it's not as if you're giving – you know, when you donate a kidney, your one kidney down, which you can still function on one kidney – for the most part, um, it's not like that. It's it's a whole different set of um, fish, but it's it's a beautiful mm. thing because you can actually save somebody's life, and your life isn't really compromised. Mm-hmm. Do you just right. in terms of the the bone marrow that you that you donate? If you made a donation to somebody who needed it, would would you just? How does that work? Is it like blood in the way that it'll just gradually just get it back? Yeah, so I'm sure you'd be quite fatigued after. And I don't like to say I know how you'd, you'd be because I've never given my bone marrow. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, when you donate blood, you're tired and you're not yeah. really, you're giving a pint of, of blood. You're not giving all of that much of your own body. They also give you a cookie. You yeah, just, yeah, you just and juice. Blood, so. right? you, didn't you say it was like two or three weeks until you like get all of the blood back? Well, it's the, well you have to technically wait 56 days days until like you're good to go again and donate again but it's it they say it's a couple it can be up to a couple weeks until you feel like Mm -hmm. totally normal again 
Well, you're not allowed to do anything for really for 24 hours afterwards. And you were supposed to come with me, but you didn't. Why? Why didn't you go? Uh, well, here we go. Mm -hmm. Hey, I can't donate blood, right? I have CF. Yeah, I can't either. Sweet. Yeah. Not sweet, but like, uh, I got some hardcore phobias we, when it comes to intravenous needles, so we, I'm saying sweet. We did do a showdown on Instagram, too, and we're going we're gonna to announce, uh, well, b before this episode comes out, we would have announced a winner. Um of the of blood a, donated? Of a shirt for oh. for somebody yeah. else who went. There was like a bunch of people who there was uh, a bunch who went and yeah. donated. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah. yeah, it was great. Yeah, the turnout was pretty cool. It's amazing how much blood we need because in the world of blood cancers, um, a lot of people going through chemo and not going through chemo need multiple transfusions yeah. of blood because you become so anemic because your bone marrow can't produce all the cells it needs. Have to. you needed one? I haven't needed one, which is is that a surprise? Yeah. Oh. I was a bit surprised. Um, because you talk to the people next to you um, during chemo, you get quite used to the people on your cycle. Right. And often the people with me on either side or across the room, you you know them, and they're, they often have a red bag hanging beside them of blood. But oh, they're doing it at the same time as the chemo? You don't do it at the same time, oh. but they would come in, say, to get blood, and I'd be coming in for iron or right. you know a checkup or something. What, uh, what's your blood type? My blood type's AB. Okay. Can you get my blood? I'm A positive. Um, no. Okay. Can, can your blood, like, drop So if into you were O, I could have O. O is, like... O is the o universal is like, donor for O's. Yeah, if you're owner. O, then, like, you should be donating every 56 days. Oh, Everybody wow. should. Anyway, it would depend but. on your plus or minus status. Okay. Yeah. Would you want to donate every 56 days? Like, I think it, that's like... Yeah, that's a lot the, of people yeah, do. Really? Yeah. There are yeah. a ton of like people. Cycle? So I do this thing with the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society called Team and Training. And there we all run to fundraise for... Um, to raise money for research. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of the people who I run with give blood every... Wow. They're, wow. they're trying to... Yeah, um, like, so, so when you go in to donate, they say... Um, so like right before you even... Donate like the first thing they ask you is, "Are you good for me to book another appointment uh, fifty six days from now?" Oh, trippy! Did yeah. you have to book oh. an appointment? You, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you have to book an appointment. I you think don't you can always have to, in, but mm. but um, the it's I didn't, really easy. I didn't say you guys glossed, You guys got you guys went into something else. But the reason I didn't go was like just the reason why I'm sure tons of people don't go is like life got in the way that day and I didn't go. But and but I should and I will. And should, a lot of people died because of it. Taylor, That's, so you should probably well, so one person did. Do any of you? Do you have go. blood type O? I don't know what my blood type is. Okay. I have given blood before, but it was a long time ago, and I can't remember. If they weren't on you, like please do this again in fifty six days, it probably wasn't O. I feel like it was a. I think it was in high school. Oh, I think really? I gave it in high school. That was the last time. I think so. You're yeah. due. You're it was due. ten years ago. <laughs> you are due. Yeah, well, it was there. more than ten years ago because it was in grade ten. I'll give you a T-shirt if you give blood. No, we went to the same high school. Well, fuck. That's all you had to say. Yeah, I'll give you a T-shirt. Well, they didn't say that at the blood clinic. They were giving me a T-shirt. No, they don't. They give you a cookie, but she'll give but you a T-shirt. But I'll give you a T-shirt. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Well, then yeah. I'll, I'll Dude, definitely do it. They yeah. give you yes. chocolate milk and Oreos. What? Dude. I, I brought you Oreos. Oh, you did? That's where they came from? Yeah. You didn't eat your Oreos? They probably no. give you Oreos because they're like, you yeah, need some fucking sugar in your <laughs> yeah, body. That's right. They're probably like, we just took your blood. Have some sugar, please. And you're uh, like, no. <clears throat> I just, I'm going to CrossFit. Um, all right. So, well... I feel like uh, this this has been a really fantastic conversation, um, uh, and and I I I I'm I feel I'm really excited for you to return to your practice. Yeah, me too. Because I, I think my the 
my the highlight for me of this conversation was hearing how this experience has changed the way that you view going back to work. I cannot wait. Yeah, to go back to work. Yeah, there's there's something really there's something really uplifting and beautiful about that. Um, and you know, n- n- unfortunate that it had to be such yeah. a, a hardcore scenario for um, to like gain that glean that lesson, but. Is that the same for almost everything, though? Like, but I think that's yeah. it. Yeah, that is it. That, that really, for the most part, it is. It's like you wouldn't yeah. be here. Like, you wouldn't be who you are, you're, or that piece of you that I love wouldn't be that piece if you weren't. If you didn't, yeah, the same, you, that thing you, that Brian has tattooed on you, his chest. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's like the more profound the the challenge, the more profound the lesson that you learn. There you go. Right. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Oh, the one that's, that you have tattooed on the small of your back. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that yeah right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just blow the butterfly uh, before we do, <laughs> before, oh, before we do wrap it up. Um, <laughs> I do want to ask you about this. I find this really interesting. Um, so I, I was mentioning I had a, a, a hemicolectomy yes. last year mm-hmm. and, um, in the process, so the surgeon took out 75% of my large intestine, mm-hmm. it's super wild to me that I don't have an ostomy. Um, and in that process, um, I lost my gallbladder as well. <clears throat> they had mm-hmm. to take it out. So long story short, when I came out, my parents there, you know, there was a lot going on. My parents had heard, oh, yeah, his, his, his gallbladder was gangrene. And so we had to take it out. My parents were like, holy fuck, that's crazy. And so then that's what I heard. I heard, oh, yeah, your, your gallbladder was gangrene. Like, Jared, they took it out. You know, it's, it's, it's not a vital organ. So, like, you're good. Okay, cool. Sew me up. Surgery went well. Aside from Serious that, yet. and then and then I'm and then I'm aside I, from seventy five percent of my balance. As, and aside from that, yeah, everything's good. Yeah. Uh, six weeks later, I go back to see the surgeon, and I sit down, and she's she's the coolest. Like she's so down to sit down and have like a, you know, like a forty five minute chat, and I'm asking all these questions. Like mm-hmm. she's wicked. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, can I ask you? Tell me about the the gangrene gallbladder, and she's like, oh yeah. Um, so it wasn't actually getting green. I was in there and I was like clamping some stuff and moving stuff around. And then all of a sudden I started to see that your gallbladder started to like change color before my eyes. Like it started going green on the inside, you know, sort of, uh, layer. And she called this, uh, specialist down to come take a look. And she's like, I would like do, what do we do here? And the guy was like, Oh, that gallbladder's fucked. You got to remove it. It's got to go. So she's like, all right. And she was like, what essentially what happened was as I was clamping to like move parts of your, uh, your, you know, abdominal wall or whatever, or your, your like sh- shift organs apart, she had nicked my, my gallbladder mm-hmm. and like tore the inside, um, I guess, layer, which punctured it. And it all seeped out. All, yeah. All the, all the bile started to seep out. So when she told me, I was like, what? That is wild. And then all of a sudden I was like, are you supposed to be telling me this? Like, is this, is this potentially a risk for you to tell me? Like if I was the type of person that did was like, that? I'm going to, no, I didn't say that. I didn't, I didn't care. I thought it was fascinating. No, I, was I like, know. Well, but did you say that in interest? Like in curiosity, no, we were like, are you, no, is, are you at risk? No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't at all. Cause I didn't even want her to think that I was like, 
maybe gonna like go. I'm I'm gonna fucking sue you. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, that's how you would have said it too. I would have said, I'm gonna fucking sue But my question is, is like, if I was a different person, could, like. Who would fucking sue? Yeah, who would fucking sue? <laughs> could I have like like did she put herself at risk in telling me that or she probably put so on the consent form that you signed um, to have your surgery? Yeah, like before they um, wheel me in there and yeah. knock me out. So we have a we we have a like a an agreement. Well, no, we have to disclose risks that are of a certain percentage. Right. And so we put on their damage to surrounding structures during the surgery. Ah, and that could go. be incorporated. Pro- right. Uh, maybe. I don't know if she put that, but probably. Probably. And and to be fair, that that could be if if she had clamps in that area, then that could be damage to surrounding structure. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So there was probably something on your consent form, but you probably don't remember what, no, what the risks of it were. I didn't even read the fucking read form. It? No, I don't Dude, read it's it. like terms and conditions <laughs> on it, an Apple product. I, I mean, come on. I didn't read it. I mean, literally, it's like, I'm going, I mean, I should, probably should have read it, but. <laughs> and full disclosure is super important. I I so, loved that she yeah, told me that that's story. That's very important. Yeah. I think the only people who read those are lawyers, and then they get really anal about it, and they start striking things out, and they're like, I'm going to sign this, and. This doesn't, this doesn't yeah. count anymore, dude. Uh, every single lawyer I know talks like that. Yeah, it's yeah, so right? weird. Yeah, weird. Even our lawyer. It's like I hope he doesn't listen to the like, podcast. Like yeah, my brother-in-law talks like that too. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so Pat, weird. Yeah. Dude, what the fuck's up with that? I know. I know. Lawyer speak. Um. All right. Uh. Well, thank you, Tanya. Thanks for coming thank in you. and sharing this experience with us. Thank you. Yeah, it's always nice to have a have a, a doc sit sit across from a couple of dopes like us. And Even a non-working doc. Yeah, yeah well. I'm second I mean, class citizen you're still, now. You're, yeah, yeah, you're just a plebe now. <laughs> you're just a plebe. <laughs> like us. <laughs> um, and thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week, as we always are, with a fantastic episode. And in the meantime, it would mean the world to us. If Will you, we be back next week? <clears throat> uh, yeah. Every week. Every I Monday. know it's Christmas. Uh, yeah, but this is this it, Christmas is long ago, my friend. Christmas happened a, a few weeks ago. Oh fuck, dude! I'm talking. I'm in the future right yeah, now. You're, yeah, you're, yeah, that's right. Oh shit! We are literally in the future. Wow, that's fucking crazy. Uh, so in the meantime, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review and hit the subscribe button and tell all of your friends that you did that because it would just help us stay up on the charts and means a lot to us. And there's other ways you can support us as well, man. And since we're in the future right now, I'm I'm. I am now retroactively thanking everybody for our Patreon Christmas present where you went and donated to our Patreon page. Thank and gave, you guys. gave blood. Oh, and, and, and gave, gave blood. blood. Yeah. I mean, give to Patreon first, obviously. But then go down to your blood your blood donation clinic and donate blood. They give you a T-shirt if uh, Tanya's, if there, Tanya's there. And yeah. they'll give you cookies <laughs> yeah. if she's not. And you, can, uh, you can download the Give Blood app. It's like really, really yes. easy to give blood if you do that. I mean, but... Patreon.com slash sickboy. Or yeah. giving blood's key. How's the give blood yeah. app work? To you, lives. Just, you plug the phone into your arm and then press a button and yeah. then... Just takes it like that? Just takes it right into the phone. Wow, yeah. that's cool. That's fucking... Man, yeah. the future Dude. is crazy. I, actually, I told you, we're in it now. <clears throat> you know what? I So I didn't get to talk about CrossFit yet today, so I'll just use this opportunity to talk uh, about it right I now. I think you did. You said you mentioned you said training instead of treatment. <laughs> yeah, like, I, heard halfway you, through I just heard podcast. you say WAD and AMRAP three times like to yourself. So um, I, I had gone from uh, doing a WAD straight to donating wow. blood, and usually it takes me like around the 10 to 15 minute mark to donate. 
I filled that thing in five minutes. Oh, so everyone should join CrossFit. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, you can get blood faster. That's because you're not fit enough yet, and your recovery time is horseshit, so your heart rate <laughs> didn't come down. Jesus, guys. I didn't, my, what? what? My heart rate was down. <laughs> Uh, and there was somebody else from the gym there donating blood at the same time. So you know what? If you go to a, a CrossFit gym, there's probably friends. lots of good people there donating blood too. Oh. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, why, it's really interesting that Donovan chose to add Christmas music to this part of the show because Christmas was a, Oh, really? Because I, I didn't hear that. All I heard were fucking weights hitting the ground <laughs> and dudes grunting. <laughs> no. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I here. I can. I can I do. I can do the sound effects for that. We don't even need Donovan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and thank you to Take Part for the theme music. Take part in this and you can actually like if you go there, you can hear <clears throat> other songs by them too that are really good. They've got. They have some jams. Yeah. Well, that, just stop it. Just get out of here. <laughs> that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy. I'm Tanya. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.